and welcome to episode one of Widowed AF. You're listening to Rosie Gilmoth and Lucinda Boast or Lulu. And we're going to be talking to you a little bit today about why we decided to set up this podcast. So, Lulu, what, what prompted you to want to be involved in this Widowed AF podcast? I think it's, it's around changing the narrative about young widows, particularly for me, you know, I'm six years on and life is different now. I feel like I've stepped back into my life and I don't want to be defined by the widowhood label forever. And, and I know that you feel the same. Yeah, you know, we've been forwards in our lives, haven't we? You know, yeah, it's a very prescriptive word, widow. It, it it conjures up, you know, either the sort of, you know, the shrouded in black for the rest of your life, you know, very very sad, lonely, or you're, you know, the money grabbing harlot. There's there's not much in between, really, isn't? And I certainly didn't feel represented when when Ben died at all. No. What kind of drove you to want to start a podcast, Rose? The major driving force for me was the the shame around being widowed because you become quite public property and it feels like everybody's got an opinion on how you live your life. And that in turn can lead you to feel a lot of shame. You can feel shame about, you know, how they died. Could you have done anything? And then you start to feel shame about, you know, laughing and, you know, potentially falling in love again and rebuilding your life. And I... I really want to blow that that shame out of water and sort of, you know, shame, as I've learned through therapy and things, it doesn't survive in the light. So the more we talk, the more we, we are free and the freer we are, you know, the, the better lives we live. So that, that's essentially my driving force, really, is just as Absolutely. You know. And talking to, you know, some of our friends who are widows and some amazing people who want to be interviewed and come on to join us on our podcast. We're really excited to share their stories as well a real mixture of yeah and they're very brave uh, to these people sorry i'm talking over you i do apologize that's all right get there (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah. so some of these widows we've got coming on to talk to us their stories are going to be quite difficult to listen to particularly if you have been affected by similar stories so we would advise that you read the description beforehand we will do a little um brief description in every intro as well and perhaps if you are very early to being widowed, this some of the dark humour might not, you might not be at that stage yet. So but feel free to re- revisit us. But I, I would just say listen with caution if you are very freshly widdied. Absolutely. Yes, dark humour is very much a part of our journey. Um, even in the early days, just in terms of survival and getting us through, you know, and forming bonds with other widows as well. I remember yeah. my family saying, doesn't it bring you down, you know, spending time with other widows? You know, does it make you stuck in sadness? They just don't understand. We're actually a really fun bunch. <laughs> yeah. And it's all about finding people who are like you. And I can remember Googling in the, you know, the very dark nights in those early days and weeks. And I stumbled across a group called the Hot Young Widows Club, which excellent name. And they were an American group of widows. And I'm still in touch with many of them. And they got me through some very dark nights. And it was through a lady I met through that group who put me in touch with Wayne, which is Widowed and Young, and that's their UK-based group. And that's actually how Lulu and I met. It's how we met our tribe, as we refer to them, the widows. And you tend to start off and it's all very sad and very bleak. And then over time, you you sort of group off and find your people. And I think without these people, I don't know how I would have got through, certainly those very early weeks and months. And But I spoke to a woman yesterday who was widowed in 2015. She'd never even heard of Wayne. So... The information is not 
readily available and to a lot of people it looks quite daunting because it again it it doesn't feel like who you are the word widow doesn't resonate no you don't immediately step into that identity do you you're still missing your partner and you haven't even buried them yet you know it's hard yeah, and friends, you know, the sort of pre-friends, as I refer to the muggles, they, they're very, you know, they try very hard to understand, but until it happens to you, you, you can't possibly understand. And again, it's that having, you know, you either you move on too soon, you move on too fast, you, you, you're you not doing enough, you're doing too much. Everybody has an opinion on every aspect of your life. You, as I said earlier, you become quite public property. And this is just a way of really explaining to people who perhaps want to find out how to support their widow friend what you can really do i'll give you a spoiler it is not flowers and also for people who are widowed and don't feel like there's anybody they can turn to and i feel like there's nothing that people can say to us here that we would judge or everything here you're eating to hate this term but it's a safe place to talk about these things and to talk about quite taboo subjects as well you know we're going to talk about things that you know my mum probably doesn't want to listen to (laughs) but I think it's important that we do yeah no absolutely I mean you know my own story is kind of littered with things that are uncomfortable to talk about um Mm -hmm. but it really helps me to talk about them and they might be shocking you know the way that my husband died was very unconventional just strange and shocking but it's it's my story and it's my reality so I'm looking forward to sharing that and I know that Rose is looking forward to talking about her yeah. husband too. Difficult you'll have putting me up I think but this is the other thing is you know that you talk about having shame around the way your husband died and that's another element you know it wasn't you and very much our relationship public property suddenly because you know my husband was with another woman when he died and I had absolutely no idea and suddenly I was facing all these questions from family about my relationship. Well, didn't you know? Did you know, were there, weren't there any signs? And some of them started sort of plucking memories and saying, well, he didn't see him himself a few weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. And suddenly, suddenly everyone has an opinion and a view and maybe they're trying to help, but God, it really didn't. So, yeah, and you and you sort of think you you become almost afraid to express joy and and happiness again because you're worried about how people will perceive you. Yeah. Um, and I I found it very. I did a thing on Instagram where I posted a sort of moment of joy every day. It sounds it makes me sort of cringe a bit now, but at the time it was a little bit, I guess, like a gratitude. It was a way of finding some happiness in each day that passed. And in some ways it was helpful. But some days I'm posting and I think to myself, that looks like we were all right, and we're not all right. I know, yeah. But you don't, you almost try and protect other people from your pain. And I've learned as I've sort of got further into this journey is, you know, that's not really your problem. And if somebody asks you how you feel and, and what happened, then tell them, you know, don't give a sanitized, clean version. Tell them. Absolutely. I remember even my dad saying, you know, this story is so horrific, Lou. Are you sure you want to be telling people about it? in the early days and I, I really took that on board I thought oh so I'm not allowed to talk about how John died okay how do I deal with that so I had no one to really t- and it's an uncomfortable subject to talk with your family about so yeah. none of them really wanted to to hear about it they wanted to just lift me up and distract me I guess which is lovely but that's why talking to other widows just gave me that outlet that I so yeah. needed and whilst you may not speak to somebody or hear from somebody who has exactly the same story as you, there will always be somebody for whom it's been similar. You know, I it, for me, I, my husband died very suddenly, as did yours. And 
that was one of the reasons we began to talk because we felt that we could relate to that. And whilst it's by no means easy or worse, you know, there is no good way to lose somebody you love. You do have that sort of shock element, which is quite, that's, there's less of ours, I suppose, than, and we'd be sort of united to talk about that side of thing. That's it. You get a knock on the door from the police, you know, we yeah. experienced that. And, and then just kind of carrying on through that shock for our kids. Yeah. Um, and I was listening to, I'm listening to some self-help book at the moment. I've turned into that person these days. And it was about how, you know, in order to process grief, you really do have to feel it. And I, I certainly use every coping mechanism known to womankind to, to numb the pain. You know, I, I, I will talk at some point in more detail about I, I lay very heavily on alcohol. Other people I know, it, it could be food, it could even be sex, you know, shopping. We, you use whatever you need to at the time to numb those things. But essentially, they, they don't go anywhere. They stay and so I, sometimes it is very uncomfortable to talk about things. And I, I you know, I have to go back sometimes and think about the moment that the door knocks. But unless I do, I'm never going to be able to move forward in my life. And I, I'm not moving on. I, I, I take against that tone, but I'm moving forward. Yes. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm still here and I still want to live. And I fundamentally think that's what this podcast is about. It's about you know, we're still alive and it's, it's learning how to live again, you know, when the life that you expected no longer exists. And rebuild, rebuild our lives. The idea that we, you know, the the, the lives that we were living have, have finished, and we kind of have to start a different path, and um, one that we hadn't planned on. None of us wanted to be lone parents, for example. Yeah. Um, so yes, it's it's living in a different kind of life, but still remembering yeah. our loved ones. It's the life unexpected, isn't it? It's the life that you. And that's the where grief. It's not people sort of think you have this initial horrific loss and you grieve the loss of your partner or, or whoever it may be I'm, I'm talking specifically about widows here and then you have this kind of ripple effect that goes into all areas of your life and I want to think why it's after it is the loss of yeah the loss of what's to come and I you know every time one of my Ben and I have three children and I think every time you know they've never started school or moved or got an achievement or performed in a show you're happy, but there's always that little tinge of sadness, and it's kind of learning to live with it, really, because you're never going to get rid of it. I've tried. You can't get rid of it. You have to learn to coexist. And once you accept that, everything becomes just slightly more manageable. It um, does. Yeah. There's no rushing to get to that point, though, either, is it? It's really no. frustrating. And I, we, we both have moments where we've cried to each other and said, why has this happened to us? And when um, will it stop hurting? When will it, when will it stop? And the answer is never. It just becomes, like I said, it becomes something you coexist with instead of constantly fighting. And it is the fighting of the pain that actually is the most exhausting thing, really. It is. Uh, it is. And it's trying to shut shut off the pain with, you know, like you referred to earlier, alcohol or any, any other substance. Anything, Liz, anything. <laughs> yeah, anything. Just anything to take it away. Well, if you are you know young-ish ish chances are you will have small children or you will have a job you know you will have responsibilities which although you will give granted some grace when your partner dies it's not a leave a definite leave so you at some point you have to go back into the world and it is at that point that I think you begin to lock your feelings down and I think even if you have just an outlet once a week I mean I'm a big advocate of counselling or a friend or Something you can do that is just for you, where you are able to sit in your grief. I think that is a really important thing to do because we are so so invested in kind of creating a normal life again for our children, and, and you forget sometimes that actually what we, what we've been through is, is pretty pretty bloody huge. Absolutely. I mean, I 
it was about two years for me before I developed symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder and they were really scary. And I thought, oh, come on, I'm two years down the line. I'm just, why is this happening? Why am I getting flashbacks? I couldn't concentrate at work. I was having nightmares and I was having these kind of heart palpitations. Mm. And I sought therapy through my work occupational health provider. And I had a type of therapy, which is trauma focused, called EMDR, which stands for eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing. So the idea is you basically have to pull all of those really horrible, uncomfortable, ugly memories out of your head, discuss them, examine them in great detail with a therapist and then kind of refile them back into your head again in the right place so they're they're not in the way again of disturbing your your day-to-day life and it was it was a horrible exhausting process it really was and I just felt shattered after every session but it saved my life I mean the other the other day for example an ambulance just sped past me on my way to work and I had just a really similar but much much smaller little kind of echoey feeling in my chest Mm -hmm. so it's still there and I don't think it ever fully goes away but it would I can live with it now it's more comfortable so you know there are sort of grumpy neighbor that you've got to put up with isn't it you know you you can't get rid of them so you've got to sort of get along and 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 live together alongside each other Exactly. I can remember watching my, my I will tell you in more detail, but my, my husband drowned. I was watching a program and they showed a drowned body, and it's something I've managed to avoid seeing for you know, I, I think this is about a year ago, maybe four years. And I rang Lulu and who told me who got me to kind of watch the medium after online and and, and he had a very instant reaction actually, but he was good. I am a big fan. But I find even in sort of talking therapy, we go back in and see quite difficult points and you know, how does that make you feel? And you know, it's all very therapy talk and you do feel a bit daft doing it really but it does work it does eventually uh, eventually is the word there's no quick fix is there that's the other thing there really isn't a quick fix no. but you if you surround yourself with a good bunch of people and you learn to laugh at actually at your situation then you know yeah. what it, it becomes a lot i'm gonna say an easier ride but i think that might be pushing it a, a less bumpy ride a smoother i don't know i'm just rambling no it, no, less, it really does less lonely less lonely that's it isn't it Yes, absolutely. No one wants to. And it's a lonely journey. You know, for me, when John died, suddenly I was a lone parent and I was stuck at home every evening. And I got into this awful habit of ordering takeaways. I didn't care about money. I mean, I was just spending money, throwing money at things. If my daughter wanted something, I'd just get it for her. Yeah. Um, I wasn't really (laughs) participating in my life. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, it, we, I can remember the, my boys being bought a Nintendo Switch, which was lovely, and it was a really kind gift. But at one point, I, the, my eldest son even said to me, Mum, why is everybody buying us presents? Like, it's party. Oh, and I mean, he's quite an astute child, but, yeah, it becomes, yeah, you, you lose all track of your kind of parenting style, and you just become... Oh, you And I was disconnected. And, but, but the, you know, it doesn't, in the group of humans, one thing I have seen is that doesn't really matter. I mean, so long as you are able to love your children if you have them or you know you are surrounded by people that will will pick you up when you need to be there you you will get through it you know and, and you can rebuild the, your parenting you know I'm a much better parent than I was four years ago but you know yeah. that's all alive you know yeah yeah and friends you know friends will make very grand promises to you that they, they very rarely fulfill which is you know a, a topic we will touch on but I think 
again, until it is it, affected them directly, which, you know, God forbid, you know, wish that on anybody, you can't really understand it. So I, I apologised profusely to a friend who suffered a big bereavement when Ben died and said, I, I'm so sorry, I wasn't there for you. And she said, how could you be? You had no, you had no idea. And this is it. You know, I didn't know anybody else my age who was widowed. Like my parents had some friends, but I didn't. And so who do you talk to? And I think with the, I'm on about the, the peer support is, is absolutely crucial at this point, you know, particularly the early part and all the way through. Yeah, it's so important. And I, I guess at one point I became quite selfish too. You know, friends went through struggles that weren't being widowed, but, you know, were also hard, you know, and it's hard to kind of, but what about my pain, which just felt bigger than anything anybody else was going through. So I kind of just... And you feel so rejected. You feel yeah. so rejected by the world. You feel like the troll. You know, nobody wants you around. You know, you don't. You no longer go and invite out couples, and you know, oh, you can't. Yeah. You can't spontaneous girls nights out because you've got children, and you know, babysitters are expensive, and you may not have parents or family that can help. So there's sort of so many knock-on effects, and it can end up in such isolation. And I think isolation is where the where the scary stuff happens, and where your, your mind might take you on a, a dark place to, or to a dark place. So if, you know, if the very least we do here is give you guys something to laugh about or, you know, something to talk about or make you feel a little bit less like, you know, these freaks, these excluded, passed out by society freaks, because that's not what you are. You are, you know, you are worthy of, of being heard. And, that, and I hope that what we do here is give these these people a voice and a chance to say how they've experienced being widowed, because every, every story is unique and every story is important. Absolutely. And, you know, I know that there's lots of friends and family and non-widows who are interested in listening to our podcast, which is wonderful. And if that helps you to support whoever it is in your family that, that goes through this, then that's brilliant. And I'm sure you'll enjoy our dark humour and the story <laughs> we <tell> too. So <laughs> there's something for everyone. There's definitely something for everybody. Yes, you don't need to be widowed to listen. On that note, our next episode is going to be a full interview with Representative Lulu. So then in turn, she will interview me and do the same. We feel that if we're going to ask people to be very brave and talk to us about very intimate aspects of their lives, then we ought to open ourselves up to. You can see a little bit of a preview of these if you go onto our Instagram account, which is widowed underscore AF, and you'll be able to see videos of Lulu and I talking about our stories. Yeah, we look forward to, I'm looking forward to sharing my story with you. It's uncomfortable, but, you know, it helps me to talk. So, yeah, talking is good. That's that's pretty much our mantra here, isn't absolutely. it? <laughs> absolutely. All right. Well, thank you very much, everybody. I'm glad you listened. If you stayed to the end, you've got more patience than many. Um, we will look forward to catching up with you soon. Definitely. Thanks ever so much, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.